are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with my co-host, Matt, coming to you on August 3rd of 2021. We uh, This is going to be our trade deadline episode. We had a, a massive, massive trade deadline this year. Um, all in all, looking at in the month of July, it was 62 trades happened. Um, we're going to mention or at least talk about at least 30 of them today. Uh, but before we jump into all that, how you doing, Matt? Doing pretty good. Uh, just been um, hanging out. Uh, that trade deadline was absolutely nuts last week. Um, and uh, man, it's everything's going good. I'm going on vacation this weekend, so that'll be fun. And uh, looking forward to it. And uh, I'm just excited to get into a probably long show. Uh, yeah. Talk about some of these trades that happened because this this was the craziest trade deadline I think you know in my memory. So, yeah, I mean I'm looking at just the number of trades alone through you know the past. I mean this is from like 1986, and this blows out of the water by like 20 something trades. So just in the month of July alone. So uh, definitely, like you said, there's some moves we didn't expect to happen. There's some. Some massive moves that we probably thought were coming, but even blew our minds even more. Um, so we're just going to take this kind of in chronological order of how it happened. Um, and we'll start on July 28th. Um, it's kind of when we had started from. Uh, and the Seattle Mariners, after we talked about them last week, uh, you know, trading away their closer and Kendall Graveman and the, the, the whole clubhouse being upset, they went and made a move that night um, and got Tyler Anderson from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, so uh, this is an interesting deal. Um, Tyler Anderson actually was originally rumored to have been traded to the Phillies, and uh, he all of a sudden it turned out he didn't get traded to the Phillies. I think there might have been a problem with a physical one of the players that were in return. Yeah. Either way, he ended up uh, getting moved to the Mariners. Um, you know, Tyler Anderson got really good control this year. Has improved on that. Uh, he's a back end of the rotation starter. Uh, his metrics and his results have shown about a, a low to mid fours ERA. He's not horrible, but um, you know he's a pretty reliable arm. He's thrown 108 innings already this year, so he's he's been out there a lot. Um, you know he's a guy who you know they can count on to not completely get shelled every night uh, at the back end of the rotation. And he got moved for a couple of prospects who are you know, really non prospects. Carter Benz is a catching prospect. He's um, you know, got some nice power. That's about it. Not great defensively. And then the, the pitcher in return, Joaquin Tejada, um, got some good breaking stuff and, and possibly some command. He's really young, but he's neither one of them are in the top 40 um, for their new team, the, for the Pittsburgh Pirates, who do have a deep system. But either way, so. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting move. And like you said, he's a he's a solid rotation arm that's just going to be able to, to eat some innings and keep them in ball games at least. So. No doubt. But the next one we had was kind of we're going to kind of group two together, and that was the Cincinnati Reds kind of did a little bullpen remake. They traded for uh, right-hander Luis Sessa and left-hander Justin Wilson from the New York Yankees, and then they made a trade for right-hander Michael Givens from the Colorado Rockies. Yeah, this was an interesting move here. Um, you look at uh, Luis Sessa. He's a guy who's been good this year. Um, his, his stats say – you know, a 275 ERA, that might be a little bit low for him, but he still had had, had a pretty good year. Um, you know, Michael Gibbons, this guy who, you know, originally with the Orioles, he's been traded a couple times now. Hadn't been great. His metrics say he's been pretty poor. His ERA says otherwise. That's been really good. 
he's a guy who's been a pretty solid middle relief piece for his career um, and definitely can help the Reds. And then, uh, I mean, you look at this, you look at uh, Justin Wilson, a guy who has always had command problems, but at times can turn it on for a little while. So there are some relievers that will help the Reds. They they needed to deepen their bullpen a little bit. They got a couple good arms back there. But uh, this will definitely help their bullpen get a little bit deeper. So Yeah, and they're trying to make a run in that NL Central with being second behind the Milwaukee Brewers right now. Yes. Um, so solid for them to get some, you know, a good lefty at, at times. Justin Wilson, I mean, I think he's, he's really struggled this year, but – a fireball and lefty, I mean, you never know when those guys can just start clicking it back on. And then Givens and Sessa have been two solid relievers. So it's not overall bad for the for the Reds to try and just uh, you know improve their club a little bit right there with the bullpen. So. Yep, for sure. So the next move we had was the Houston Astros acquired Yimi Garcia from the Miami Marlins for right-hander Austin Pruitt and outfielder Brian De La Cruz. Yeah, so this is a pretty good deal. Uh, Astros, another team that wanted to help their bullpen out some. Um, their starting rotation's been really good this year. Their lineup is pretty nasty. So uh, just a couple reinforcements in their bullpen at, at this deadline. Um, you look at uh, Yimi Garcia as a guy who ha- has been good. Um, he's another guy who's been good, but maybe not like a lead or anything. Um, you know, a, a, a 362 ERA on the year, his his metrics are, are not that good. They're the mid to low fours, um, which, you know, for relievers, not great. Last year, he was extremely good uh, in his, uh, in, you know, his first year in Miami, although it was a real small sample size with the COVID shortened season. But a uh, former Dodger who has had a little bit of an up and down time with them. Uh, he's a guy who I think will help, uh, you know, it'll help deepen their bullpen in Houston as well. He's not going to close or be really relied upon in, in real tight games or anything, but it'll, it'll help them out. Uh, the return Austin Pruitt's already been DFA'd, um, and the outfielder prospect, he's going to be the number 28 prospect now for the Marlins and Brian Dela Cruz. I think he got called up actually already. Uh, he's kind of decent all around, probably a bench outfielder type in the future. So. Yeah, and like you said, Garcia had closed a little bit for the Marlins. He's been a real streaky reliever. At least I remember that from the time when he was with the Dodgers. He'll he'll go on stretches where he looks unhittable, and then he'll go on stretches where it seems like every pitch he throws is a home run or, or something. So, if if the Astros can use him in those spots where you know he, he they understand that he's on that day and not trying to make him close and be more of a sixth to seventh inning guy, you know, it could be a solid bullpen arm for them. But uh, let's move over to, I think this was the first trade that kind of shocked me um, and, and was a, our group chat kind of lit up when this one, but that was um, the Starling Marte being acquired by the Oakland A's for left-handed pitcher Jesus Lazardo. Yeah, so this is probably the first real, really interesting trade. Um, Jesus Lazardo is a guy who in, 2020 was rated the number five overall prospect uh, based on fan graphs rankings and uh, number one in the A's system, of course, being being top five. Um, throws really hard, uh, averaged 96 on his fastball this year in the big leagues. But ever since he got up to the to the big leagues, really, um, it has been a huge struggle for him with the home run ball, uh, leaving a lot of pitches over the plate. Um, and, and after he really started struggling with that, he started struggling with, with walks as well this year. Um, you know, he, he's been a guy, maybe his confidence is shot a little bit. Um, I was watching some, some, uh, some stuff the other day with a, 
a guy who uh, him being a guy who doesn't really have that much extension off the mound. So maybe it, guys pick him up a little bit better than others. But I mean, the stuff is absolutely filthy, and you would hope. Although he also has a little bit of a tough injury history, uh, you would you would think that there's still a lot of talent there, and it's, you know he still has a chance to really click at some point. So. Uh, you look at Starling Marte as a rental outfielder who's, you know, a really solid all-around outfielder, um, can make all the plays defensively, hits the ball well. Um, he's really a guy that I think fits in real well for the A's. Uh, good plate discipline this year, at least. Uh, and really in his career, his strikeout rate's always been low. But this year, he's really kicked up his walk rate a lot. Um, and he's a guy who I think is a really solid player. He's going to help the A's a lot, so... Yeah, and, and like you said, he's having a career year this year, so for the Oakland A's, maybe they catch fire with him. And it, it was really head-scratching, them giving up Jesus Lazardo, but the A's are one of those teams that are always trying to do, you know, they have famous for having the Moneyball movie, but they're always trying to make those moves kind of under the radar. And, I mean, if they're willing to give up on a guy like Jesus Lazardo, maybe that's saying something. But maybe Miami knows something that other people don't, that they could find something to click with, uh, with Jesus Lazardo. I think it was a, a really good you know, uh, a really good return for uh, Rental and Starling Marte for the uh, for the Miami Marlins. Yeah, and regardless of whether or not Jesus Lazardo makes it big time, this is absolutely a hundred percent worth it for the for the eight, for the Marlins to try. I mean, Starling Marte was leaving um, in free agency after this year, anyways. So the potential that a they no have. brainer to try to fix Jesus Lazardo with, with yeah. his natural talent. So absolutely. Well, the next trade we had was one that we had a, at least a player that we had speculated on being traded. We thought he was traded actually multiple times before, and it happened, you know, actually at the deadline. But that's uh, infielder Eduardo Escobar being acquired by the Milwaukee Brewers for infielder and outfielder Cooper Hummel and infielder Alberto Ciprian. Yeah, so uh, Eduardo Escobar is a good player. Um, he, he's a guy who at the plate is, is going to hit pretty well. Um, you know, he, stri- he, he, he doesn't strike out a ton, but his, he always hits, you know, has a pretty low batting average on balls in play, uh, career mark at 289. Um, you know, he's just a little bit, a little bit streaky at the plate, has some power. He's hit 24 home runs this year already, which is a pretty high number. Doesn't walk a ton, but you know, it's, it's not like he's allergic to walks like Javier Baez or somebody. Uh, but I mean, he's been good this year. He was good for Arizona. Um. You know, he's a guy who I think is, um, you know, I think he definitely is a guy who can help the Brewers. And, and, you know, they all they needed, they need some hitters. And they've really, 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 really struggled hitting the ball, um, you know, at times this year. And and their lineup doesn't have too many guys that will put fear into you. And the return, Cooper Hummels, kind of a utility type player. Um, You know, he's played catcher a little bit, played outfield some, um, not a great fielder. Really not too much, uh, you know, with him. He, he's got pretty good numbers at, at times in, in the minor leagues. Um, you know, with Milwaukee, he had a uh, 153 WRC plus this year um, in, in their minor league, in their AAA system. So um, definitely a guy to maybe keep an eye on, being a late bloomer type. He's 26 years old. And um, so it, it, interesting there. Um, the, uh, the other guy in this return, Alberto Ciprian, um, I mean, he's a guy who, you know, he's in the Dominican Summer League uh, right now, and he's got, you know, pretty good numbers there, you know, so it's hard to say what he'll end up 
what he'll end up turning into. He's 18 years old. So all, anytime you can get a young guy like that, you know, you, you never know what might happen with him. So. Yeah, Eduardo Escobar is, is a really interesting fit for the Brewers because he can play pretty much everywhere on that infield. Um, and the Brewers kind of lack everywhere on that infield. I mean, they lack first baseman at times when Keston Hira is not really playing that well. Um, or they got, I think they I think they were the ones that got Rowdy Telez as well. So maybe if he's yeah. not up. Um, second base, if Colton Wong, I mean, he's been pretty solid when he's played there, but I think he's also dealt with some injuries this year. Uh, Adamas has been really good for them at short this yeah. year he, after the trade. So, I mean, I think it, it'll probably be mostly third base, but that versatility really does help his value because when you do want to give one of these other guys a day off, like say you're facing a tough lefty, you don't necessarily want Colt Wong facing. Right. You know, you might be able to throw Eduardo Escobar out there or, or one of those things, like you said, with Rowdy Telez, face a tough lefty. You might want to put Eduardo Escobar at first base to try to, you know, against the guy like that. So uh, definitely a good move for the Brewers, in my opinion. Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and jump over to um, this is going to be on the 29th now. Um, the first first trade of that day was the White Sox acquiring second baseman Cesar Hernandez from the Indians slash Guardians. Uh, however you want to call him now, for left-handed pitcher Connor Pinkinson? Pilkington, yeah. Pilkington, there you go. Yeah. So uh, this is an interesting deal. I am shocked at the fact that Cesar Hernandez has hit 18 home runs this year. Um, in fact, that is already his career high in home runs for a season. Uh, so very, very surprising there. He's also hit for a career-low average, which <laughs> is – which is directly tied to a very low batting average on balls in play compared to his t- typical number there. He, he's ever, actually never had a season below 313 on balls in play until this year, and he's at 263. So you would expect that number to co up a pretty good bit. And his career average is 331. So this is a move that could pay dividends. If that power surge is real and his Babbitt continues to you know come back up some, he could really be a solid piece there for the uh, – for the, um, for the, for the uh, Chicago White Sox. And he's a guy who walks a lot, too. You could honestly put him in near the top of the order. He's going to get on base a lot and hit for a pretty nice, uh, you know, it, it, maybe not a ton of power, but a, a pretty good, um, you know, pretty good leadoff type hitter here, get on base a ton. And he also plays good defense at second base. So uh, he's been a positive this year, last year, year before last. He, he's been he's been really good uh, in his career. And, uh, you know, I think this was a pretty good pickup for the White Sox here. Um, yeah. The return okay. being, you know, not too, too much. Connor Pilkington's kind of an organizational lefty um, that was in the White Sox system. So, Yeah, Pilkington probably is going to – I mean, he probably projects to be a bullpen arm, if anything, um, a lefty reliever. Hernandez, like you said, it was interesting. I didn't realize – until probably a week before the deadline when I was kind of like looking around that he had hit that many homers. Um, it kind of seems like he had went more for a fly ball approach. I haven't actually looked for his fly ball to ground ball rate, um, but it seems like he probably went for more of a fly ball approach. The interesting thing that I did think with Hernandez is that the past couple of years, he has zero stolen bases. Um, this is a guy that when he was in Philly, I mean, he had 19, 17, 15, 19, and then nine in 2019. Um, so it's just interesting that he pretty much just stopped running. Um, but the White Sox team is usually an aggressive team, so it will be interesting that if they do put him towards the top of that order, if, if he gets back to running some. Um, but like you said, definitely an interesting move. Um, they were a team that had already lost Nick Madrigal this year to an injury. 
um, at second base and kind of had a hole and they were interested in Trevor story and a whole bunch of other shortstops. I mean, they were interested supposedly in Javi Baez at some point. So for them to pick up Cesar Hernandez, you know, true second baseman, it's a pretty solid move. And, and like you said, for not too much enough of a return, really. Yeah, and you, and you were totally right about the fly ball thing. I didn't even look at that. His fly ball rate is a career high, and it's 9% higher than it was last year. So that's definitely a, a good call on that because I think he that probably has something to do with the low batting average on balls in play as well. Yeah, probably. So let's go to our uh, our next move we had, and that was the Toronto Blue Jays acquiring left-handed relief pitcher Brad Hand from the Washington Nationals for catcher Riley Adams. Yeah, so uh, you look at the the Blue Jays here uh, making a move, trying to strengthen their bullpen, which has really been ravaged by injury this year. Um, you know, especially their big signing in the offseason for their bullpen was Kirby Yates, and he immediately got injured uh, with needing Tommy John surgery. But, uh, you know, Brad Hand's a guy who's been a good pitcher for a long time, but this year has been a struggle for him. His, um, you know, his, his ERA is still okay at a 383 but his his other stats his his peripherals have been rough uh his walks are way up his strikeouts are way down he does he is getting more grounders than he has in a while but um you know giving up home runs this year more than he ever has he he's it's really been a bit of a struggle for him uh so far you know in this season and you know the talent's probably still there to turn it around some but he's also a, a veteran uh, you know, he's, he's up over 30 now, so there's, this drop-off might kind of be real, you know, for for a reliever who, you know, relievers are always pretty volatile, so. Yeah, and he has a lot of, you know, even for, like you said, he's only, I think he's only 31. Yeah, he's only 31, yeah. but he still has a lot of innings on his arm for even a 31-year-old, even as a reliever. Um, you look at his career innings, I mean, he's over 650 for a, for a relief pitcher. That's quite a bit. Um like you said, he, he's still pretty solid. I think this is just one of those kind of down years and that he'll be able to bounce back at some point. Um, like you said, lowest K percentage since he's really turned to a full-time reliever. Um, highest walk rate since he's really turned into a full-time reliever. I mean, not, I, I just think that this is probably one of those down years. Like you said, relievers are so volatile. Um, it, it's a solid move for the Blue Jays because they, they need some pitching help all around. Um, a good lefty that maybe you can, you know, like I said, th- these numbers are higher than pretty much every one of his other career numbers. So maybe you can help him find something that unlocks, you know, the the old Brad hand and, and kind of turn him into that late inning reliever again. But really interesting yeah. for the Blue Jays. And Riley Adams, he isn't much of a thing to really give away. You know, he's the a top 20 prospect in the national system now. Only a four tr- uh, per fan grabs, only a future value of 40. Um I think they've called him. No, they haven't called him up. Toronto had him up earlier this year and 30 at bats, which is small sample size. He's only batted 107 with a 167 on base. So, yeah, he, he's a high strikeout guy with some with some decent raw power, but he really isn't much else than that at this stage. So, absolutely. Well, let's jump over to our. Uh, I would say at this point when this deal happened, it was the biggest deal that we had go down. Um, and that is the Yankees acquiring Joey Gallo and left-handed reliever Jolie Rodriguez from the Texas Rangers for Ezekiel Duran, Josh Smith, uh, Trevor Hauver, and Glenn Otto. Yeah, this is an interesting deal here. Um, Joey Gallo is one of the more polarizing players in baseball. Um, he's also one of the more streaky players in baseball who's, who's dealt with injuries at times. Um, he's a guy who 
um, you know, strikeouts are just, I mean, he, he's, if he plays long enough, he's going to shatter the career strikeout record. I mean, just shatter it into smithereens. I mean, he, he strikes, he has struck out over 30% every year in the big leagues this year at 32%. Um, and his career batting average is 210. Uh, but he hits home runs and he hits them like crazy when he's healthy. And um, he's a guy who, you know, he's hit 25 home runs already this year. Um, you know, he's having a, the best year of his career at the plate other than a short 2019 season, which ended early due to injury. Um, but um, I think he's a guy who, you know, he is running a career low strikeout rate, although the career low strikeout rate is still 32%. Um, but He's um you know he's an interesting player uh he's he's turned into a solid defender in the outfield which is which is a good good thing for for the uh for the now the Yankees but um you know he he's he's a guy who you know he is what he is if, if you like him for what he is he he's a guy who's going to hit massive home runs he does get on base at a pretty good clip even with the strikeouts because he walks a lot so um yeah know, he's one of those true three outcome hitters yes he's probably the, he's the biggest Epitome. definition of a, of a three true outcome hitter. I mean, that's just yeah. what he is, but um, there's going to be times where he gets booed out of the stadium in the, in the Bronx because of the strikeouts. <clears throat> I remember when uh, Giancarlo Stanton had his first year there and he had a five strikeout game. And I mean, he, they just booed him out of the stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to happen at some point, but they're also going to love him at some point because he's going to hit three home runs in the game. So yeah. um, it'll be interesting porch. to see. Yeah, if you can get him on a hot streak at, at the right time, you can really – he can really be something there. But, um, I mean, I've never been a gigantic fan because of the, you know, the approach and stuff. Um, it's something that's always worried worried me about him being on my team. But at the same time, there there's obvious talent there. And, uh, you know, the power is real. And, you know, he's his numbers, when you look at more of the advanced numbers – his numbers, he's really valuable to a team. So that's a big, big deal getting him for the Yankees who have struggled in the outfield. And, um, you know, you also get a, a pretty good little left-handed pitcher in Yoli Rodriguez, who's pretty young. And, uh, you know, he's had a couple of years where he looked pretty good on the mound as a, as a reliever. So um, fairly interesting there. They also got the, the, uh, the Rangers paid down some of the rest of this year's deal for him because of um, – because of the Yankees won't stay below the, the luxury tax threshold. So, Yeah, and like you said, Gallo is probably one of those players that um, is – he's one of the most favorite – or not favorite, I would say that. He's probably one of the most fun ones to watch when he's not on your team. But if he's on your team, you're going to absolutely hate it most of the time. Um, but if you're looking at the return uh, for what they got, Ezekiel Duran, he's one of those guys that has big power but a questionable hit tool. Um, he becomes the Rangers' third overall prospect for the team. Does that sound familiar? Big power yeah. <laughs> with yeah. a questionable hit tool, right? Uh, he's overall per Fangraphs, he's uh, ranked 120th overall in baseball. Uh, 50 future value doesn't really feel doesn't really have major speed, um, so he's kind of a Joey Gallo 2.0 um, if they can harness it. Um, but he plays second base, so not really an outfield. He's not quite as big. He's only 5'11". Um, the other interesting one that I found was Josh Smith. Um, he's 27th ranked in their system. The Fangraphs doesn't actually have a uh, like 
breakdown of his value or what he does, just a future value overall. Um, but he's going to be another solid, you know, I think he's a, uh, this one says he's a pitcher. I thought he was a shortstop, but no, nah, this is, the, the, you got, you got the wrong one there. Yeah, um, the the Josh Smith, there's two of them. <laughs> they have two of them. What the heck? Yes. Josh, Josh H Smith is the one that was traded. <laughs> um, oh, this is super awkward. So, yeah, it, it's very, uh, very confusing. But he's he's a guy who has pretty solid all around tools. He's going to be there the number go. eight prospect in the yeah. Rangers organization. Um, you know, he's pretty, he's fairly solid all around. He plays shortstop at a decent level. Um, you know, he's he's fairly fairly raw. But uh, you look at his numbers this year, and um, you know, in in the Yankees and the Rangers organization have both been really good. Obviously, the Rangers, he's only got sixteen plate appearances, but the Yankees organization. Uh, you know, he's hitting 320, 435, 583 on the season, although a 411 Babbitt can explain some of that. But overall in his career, a really good, uh, really, really great plate discipline and uh, pretty decent power numbers. So he, he's really tore up the lower minors and, you know, maybe a guy to look for on the rise a little bit as a as a guy who's uh, he's 23 years old playing in high A. So, you know, that might be he's a little old for his age as a you know prospect, at least. But um you know, if he can continue moving up the ladder, he, he could be a, a pretty decent, pretty decent looking player. So, absolutely. Well, let's jump over to the next deal we had. And that was Chicago White Sox making another trade. Um, this time, acquiring right-handed relief pitcher Ryan Tapera from the Chicago Cubs for left-handed pitcher Bailey Horn. Yeah, Ryan Tapera is a guy who um, has been a little up and down for his career, but this year has been pretty good. Um, you know, with a, a 307 ERA. His peripherals back that up. Um, he's his his career. He's got a career low in walks, uh, walk rate, which is which is really nice. Um, you know, he's a guy who that's always been a little bit of an Achilles heel for him. Has been has been walks. Um, you know, had a couple solid seasons with the Cubs. Um, everyone's you know joked about the MVP vote last yeah. year, the the mistake MVP vote, but um, it was an interesting looking uh, interesting move there. Um, you look at. Um, you know the his, his, he's going to help the White Sox bullpen just deeper. I mean that bullpen is sick, especially with one of the later trades we're going to talk about. But uh, but yeah, and then Bailey Horn is a interesting guy. He's actually from Auburn. Um, was picked I think in like the fourth or fifth round a couple years ago um, out of the draft. But he's a guy who who was a little inconsistent in college throwing strikes, uh, but battled an injury at times and uh, got to the pro ball and his stuff is really good. Um, throws pretty hard for lefty. Got a nice breaking ball. Um, I think he's probably a future reliever. He, he can still be a little inconsistent on the strike throwing, and uh, you know you worry a little bit about him staying healthy too with his injury history. But uh, he's at least an interesting prospect for the Cubs to get back. So uh, I think it's a pretty good trade for a rental 34-year-old relief, soon to be 34-year-old reliever in Ryan Tapera. Um, you know to get back a guy who's a legit potential major league reliever at some point bailey horn so yeah absolutely i think it was a a very solid trade for either side there uh, but let's go ahead and jump over to our next one that we had and that was the seattle mariners acquiring um, relief pitcher diego castillo from the tampa bay rays for jt chagua and austin shenton yeah so uh, this is another one that uh, you know it's it's not a huge deal but uh interesting looking trade for for both really both sides. I mean, Diego Castillo was pitching a lot. It was real important to the Rays, who were in first place, but they dealt him away. Um, there's that old saying, never trade 
never trade with the Rays, so there must be something that uh, there must be something there that was, uh, you know, worrying people in, in the Rays organization. Diego Castillo is a guy who, I mean, this year, I mean, he's been he's been pretty dang good. I mean, it, you know, there's not much to not like about him. Um, but um, you know, you look at Austin Shelton, uh, you know, uh, maybe a guy who the the Rays really really like. Uh, I don't think that um, or Shenton, sorry, I don't think that um, that JT Chor Chargua. I don't even know how to Chagua. say it. Chagua. I don't know. I don't know that he's uh, really the main piece in this deal. Um, I mean, he's a guy who's been around a while. In fact, he was. He's um. Yeah, he's he's just. He's pretty average, so he's he's had a pretty good year this year. But um, you know, I, I would definitely rather have J, you know, uh, Diego Castillo. But uh, you know, you never know with 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 the way that the with the way that the Rays operate. You this guy could end up being a superstar. You know, it's yeah. just one of those things. Yeah, it's just um, um like you said, never traded the Rays. Shagwal was a former Dodger, like I uh, so I got to watch him a little bit. Like you said, it's pretty average. Um. But it seems to like the, those teams that are advanced in analytics like him for some reason. Um, so maybe the Rays are thinking they can get something out. And I don't know why they traded Diego Castillo. It's really interesting, but uh, you know we'll come to find that out one day. Yeah. But let's go ahead and move to the next move, um, and that was the Dodgers acquiring Danny Duffy and Cash um, for some player to be named later. Yeah. So Danny Duffy, um, the guy who. You know, it's kind of crazy to see him finally get traded. He's been with the, the Royals his entire career. He was there on their championship team. One of the last – it might be the last player uh, that was there on their championship team. And, yeah. uh, he ended up having a couple of good years, but he's mainly been kind of a back end of the rotation type of guy. I think the Dodgers are going to pitch him out of the bullpen, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, the, or at least have him kind of as a swing man. Uh, well, the plan right now is supposedly is that he's not going to be ready for until September. Um, supposedly is what they said and they're going to build him up through August and see where things are at. They might use him as a spot starter to kind of give somebody a break, but the plan is at least for October, um, would be for him to be a a lefty reliever in the bullpen because they really do lack that. Um, and then letting his stuff kind of play up there. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he needs a guy that, you know, for his career, I mean, he's been a starter his whole career for the most part. There's been a couple times that he's moved to the bullpen for, you know, several games, but he, he's mainly been a starter. I mean, a 395 career ERA, 417 career uh, FIP. I mean, he's a guy who's been pretty good. This year, before his injury, he actually had a 251 ERA, although that's a little bit in, inflated when you look at the, the uh, peripherals. It still, you know, still peripherals are pretty good anyways. So um, he's a guy that maybe you throw him in the bullpen, and he and he does does boost his, his numbers a little bit. But, uh you know, pretty solid move here. They didn't really give up anything. So, um, you know, you get a guy who's got, at least got some talent that maybe he plays up in the bullpen some can really help your team. So that's I think it's a good move. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go on to the next kind of blockbuster trade that we had happen, and that was the Yankees acquiring first baseman Anthony Rizzo from the Chicago Cubs for Alexander Vizcaino and Kevin Alcantara. Yeah, so the more that I look at this trade, I absolutely love this trade for the Cubs. Um, you know, Anthony Rizzo's at, at the end of his, you know, contract. Um, he's still a good player, don't get me wrong, but he's also, you know, he's about to be 32 years old, I think next week, actually. 
Um, he's a guy who, uh, you know, he's still hitting home runs. Um, his plate discipline numbers are still really good. Uh, but he's not hitting the ball quite as with quite as much authority as he once was. Um, you know, uh, his BABIP's been low the last several years. Um, you know, the average is pretty meh. He's still hitting good. Like I say, a 122 WRC plus, 16 home runs on the season. Um, and then you look at their, um, you, you look at his, um, you know, his defense is taking a step back this year. Um, but he's a guy who I think is, um, you know, I, I think it's, I think he's going to help the Yankees. Uh, he's actually already hit a couple home runs for the Yankees. So, um, you know, that, that, that's been, that's been nice for them, a pretty instant boost for them. Uh, they needed first base help pretty bad. Uh, but, um, I actually really like the deal for the Cubs because the return they got was two guys who have really high ceilings, uh, a little bit raw, but, you know, two guys who are potential future, you know, really, really solid major league players. Um, you know, especially Alcantara who has ridiculous raw power. He's got a great frame and he's got speed and he's a guy who, you know, he's going to have to work on the hit tool. But if he can do that some, he could end up being a really good player. And then the, the other guy, Viscano, is a guy who can throw 100 miles an hour. So they got a couple of guys who are legitimate, pretty good prospects for, you know, two months of, an, of a pretty old first baseman. So um, I hate it for the Cubs fans because, you know, Rizzo meant so much to them. Uh, and he's been a part of that team since before they really started to get good. So, uh, you know, it's kind of the end of an era for them, especially with the other guys that got traded. But really, Rizzo was the first one. I mean, he's been a Cub since, like, 2012 or something. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's a guy who I think is I, – I, you know, I hate it for Cubs fans that, you know, they're not going to get to see him play on their team anymore. Uh, but, you know, I think he's going to help the Yankees, and I think the Cubs really got a great return for him. So I, th- I think that was a pretty big win for the Cubs in this trade. Yeah, and like you said, I think it is a big win for the Cubs. Most Cubs fans aren't going to look at it as one because of the player Anthony Rizzo meant, um, and not even the player, but just the man that Anthony Rizzo meant to that organization. But like you said, he was there before you know the, the really good uptick um, of that young kind of core came around and was there through everything. Um, so it... It was kind of hard and kind of weird to see Rizzo get traded from the Cubs because he kind of just felt like a guy that was going to stick around there um, for his whole career. But he's having a solid season. Um, he's been hampered with back injuries the past couple years, which has kind of, I think, led to more of his his low BABIP and, and low average. So that's going to be something they're going to have to kind of watch um, going forward. But like you said, solid trade for the, for the Yankees. Um, get a guy, I, I think it's more, I mean, he's going to get production at first base, but also the, be, bringing that kind of a guy into that clubhouse that really needs to make a run for this postseason, you know, for to make the playoffs. Um, Rizzo's a good pickup for that even. So, and like you said, Alcantara came in, he's going to be the second overall prospect for in that Cubs system right now. Um, and then Vizcaino is going to be 12th ranked for, uh, for that one, but he's a 24-year-old at, at high A, so. Yeah, and you got to remember too with, with all these trades, the Cubs system has got really, really deep. Yeah, um, you know they were they had a really mediocre system for a long time, and their system, you know, over the past year has gotten a lot better and it's gotten really deep. So, um, you know, they have they may 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 not have the recognized star prospects right now, but anytime you get a group of guys that are like Alcantara and Viscano and a couple of the other guys we're going to talk about in a little while. 
um, at, at, along with some of the guys they got in the offseason in that U Darvish trade that were really high ceiling. At least one or two of them is going to end up working out to the point of being a top star-looking prospect. Um, although they also have a guy breaking out, Brendan Davis, in the minors right now that, that's, that's been good this year. But, um, you know, some of these guys are really are going to break out at some point into, into top prospects. But right now they're kind of stashed, super high-ceiling, real volatile, high-risk players. But at some point, some of them are going to break out. And I think this is a, one of those trades that just, you know, you get that quantity of top of really athletic, raw, talented players that, you know, some of them are going to figure it out. So um, I think that's what you're looking at with the Cubs. But our next move on the list um, is going to be, uh, I believe, we're going to talk about another guy who was a Cub last year, but this year he obviously hasn't been. And it's an injured player, Kyle Schwarber, who got moved to the Red Sox for right-handed pitcher Aldo Ramirez. Yeah, and, and Schwarber, like you said, he was injured um, early on in July. Uh, but he's had a, a really good year, especially that insane month of, of June. Um, you know, he's batting 253 with a, a 273 um, Babbitt, but he has 25 homers already. Um, kind of the guy that he's going to hit middle 200s to 250, um, gets you a lot of power. It was a really interesting move for the Red Sox because they're going to, the plan is once they bring him back to try and use him at first base, um, which I don't think he's ever played before. I don't, he hadn't so, played it to an extended period, at least. He's always played corner outfield, and his first year in, in, with the Chicago, I believe he kept caught a little bit. But he's played one game at first base. Yeah. Or he was counted as having played one game at first base in 2017, but it looks like he had zero innings, so I don't know what that's all about. But Yeah, um, so he, he's a guy right now, like you said, injured. Um, he has a hamstring injury, so I'm not sure when he's quite supposed to be back. Those can just be a nagging deal, but if – if Boston gets him back, I mean, they're in, you know, in a playoff spot right now. He's a good lefty bat that hits for high power. Um, and if they can get him to play a solid first base, I mean, this this is a win-win deal for uh, for Schwarber, for the Red Sox. And the Nationals, who kind of started their fire sale, which we'll talk about a little bit more later on, get a guy who jumps in as their eighth overall prospect. He's young, 20 years old, at A-ball. Um he, he's really good for throwing command, has a, a pretty solid fastball slider changeup you know, thing, so maybe he can be a, a future reliever. Um, I don't think – right now he is a starter, but and he's been pretty solid in the minors, but we'll see uh, how he develops. Yeah, so um, definitely something to look out for. Uh, the returns, just kind of a future reliever. So, uh, But uh, interesting stuff. I, I do think he will help the Red Sox, so um, – you know, that was kind of maybe their backup plan for, for – they were looking at Anthony Rizzo for a long time, and that might have been kind of their backup plan. But um, we're going to just have to wait and see when he's healthy, I think is kind of the big thing here. But uh, let's move on. Our, our next move was a pretty interesting move, and that was uh, the Padres finally made a move. and They got right-handed pitcher Daniel Hudson in exchange for right-handed pitchers Mason – or right-handed pitcher Mason Thompson and shortstop Jody Barley. Yeah, Daniel Hudson's a really interesting reliever guy. Um, he's had an up and down career. Really battled a lot of injuries last year with Washington, or he was a part of that Nationals team that won that uh, the World Series. Actually, closed out the World Series for them. Had a pretty solid year that year, a two forty seven ERA. Even though his peripherals didn't back that up quite as much. You look at twenty twenty, he really struggled. Even though it's in twenty innings, small sample size. But a 6.10 ERA with a, a 6.29 FIP and a 5.13 FIP 
or XFIP. So that's, uh, you know, that's really, really bad. But you look again this year, uh, he's back to a really good reliever. I mean, in 32 innings, he has a 220 ERA, a 245 FIP, and a 288 XFIP. Um, and he's going to that San Diego Padres back at the end of that bullpen. You know, they've had Emilio Pagan and Mark Melanson there, who has been really solid. But the rest of that pin has kind of struggled throughout times. Um, so Hudson, who is really uh, a, a uh, rental reliever, is having a really good year. Is going to come in and, and help them, you know, in that bullpen. Mason Thompson's pretty interesting. Uh, I was just watching some of the Nationals game yesterday, and he was actually they've called him up. Um, and he was playing as a reliever. Really good fastball. Uh, the fastball really rises. Watching him last night, uh, struggles with command that, the, and that's really showed. I think he's going to be more of a uh, of a bullpen arm for the Nationals, but from what I saw last night, he's been pretty solid um, this year in the majors. Only four innings, but he has a, a 2.25 ERA and a, a 3.16 FIP, so it seems pretty solid. Uh, I don't know much about Barley. I don't know. Do you have any anything on him? Um, not really. He's a guy who, you know, not especially a top prospect. I think he's. They rated him the number twenty-seven, or Fangraphs rated him the number twenty-seven in the in the Nationals organization. Now, um, I mean, he's a guy. He's in low A, um, and he's he's got pretty good raw power, but his hit tool is a question mark. He's got pretty good speed, so maybe a little bit of a toolsy prospect. If you can fix the swing, he could end up, you know, having a has, has a, a little bit higher ceiling than most guys like that. But he's really mainly a throw-in. I think the big bigger piece was Thompson, and either one of them are high likelihood, you know good big leaguers but both of them you know or maybe guys who have you know pretty good ceiling so um interesting uh interesting move there um you know both you know a couple top 30 prospects for a reliever who's really having his first you know at least when it comes to his peripherals and stuff legit good year i know he had that great era back in back in 2019 but um you know he, he really wasn't that good when you look at his peripherals that year and this year he's back he's backed up his you know, results, which have been really good with, with great peripherals this year, is he's got a career low walk rate, career high strikeout rate, not giving up as many home runs. I mean, he's been really good this year. So, um, but um, yeah, Jody Barley, he's a, Jody Barley's also a shortstop. So, kind of interesting to see there. Um, we'll see what happens. You know, maybe a high ceiling type guy might figure it out at some point, but you never know. Um, so, uh, our next move, though, pretty couple of pretty minor moves that were somewhat interesting. Actually, a few here in a row. We've got a Freddie Galvis got moved for, to the um, to the Phillies, back to the Phillies, um, because he'd been there before, from uh, from Pittsburgh. I mean, from uh, excuse me, from uh, Baltimore for a right-handed pitcher, Tyler Birch. So um, you know, it's a low minors pitcher, maybe a future reliever. I don't know, but Freddie Galvis is a great player, so. You know, they got something for him. Uh, you look at uh, the next trade, Michael Chavis, who's a former top prospect, got moved to Pirates for a pitcher with a five-plus ERA. So that's kind of interesting that, um, you know, neither one of them probably going to contribute too much. But um, definitely interesting. Chavis, if you, if you remember, was, you know, pretty good as a rookie. Uh, kind of burst on the scene and then had some trouble with, I believe he had a PED suspension. And then uh, the other one is um, – kind of interesting jake marisnik got moved for anderson espinosa who was a pretty highly rated uh prospect at one time for, for san diego but his stock's taken a pretty good hit jake marisnik will help them as maybe a fourth outfielder type so 
few interesting moves right there. Yeah, and then like you said, pretty interesting. Galvis isn't going to be he's going to be a, a, a rotational like infielder yeah. utility guy. Marisnik's going to be that fourth or fifth type outfielder. Um, Chavis is pretty interesting. He was a former top prospect that, like you said, got moved for a guy with a five ERA. So it's pretty interesting with all of those. Um, I would say it's not really the next major move, but the next kind of move that's going to be impactful is the the Atlanta Braves acquiring Eddie Rosario from and Cash from the Cleveland Indians for uh, for Pablo Sandoval. Yeah, the Braves actually made a few moves that were kind of all the same uh, type of moves. In fact, they acquired, you know, when you include the Jock Peterson deal, they acquired four corner outfielders. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, obviously, with with the injury to Ronald Acuna Jr. and the and the and the legal issues for Marcelo Zuna, which there's actually been some news, some movement on that in the last couple of weeks, but uh, you know, we'll, we won't get into that right now. But um, they uh, they've had a big big hole in the in the outfield and uh you know these moves are going to help that uh, eddie rosario is a guy who at times has been a really good hitter uh, hit for power um for the twins and you know he was on a cheap deal for the uh indians one year deal this year and he got traded to uh got traded to uh to the um to the atlanta braves for actually for pablo sandoval who was like one for his last 40 or something and struggling but um the main thing was they the, they just basically the Indians got the Braves to pay half the rest of his salary uh, Rosario's sal- salary and they immediately DFA'd Pablo Sandoval so um, that's um, that that was interesting and then you look at um, the, the a couple few more we can go ahead and look at a few more trades that the Braves made because they're all kind of right together um, Adam Duvall got moved for Alex Jackson um, so that was interesting Adam Duvall obviously a Brave you know last year and the year before. Um, guy who's going to hit for a lot of power, not too much else. He's actually been really good defensively this year. I think he had something like 12 DRS before defensive run save before uh, before the trade. So that was interesting. Got moved for Alex Jackson, who you know if nobody knows is a guy who was a very highly sought after draft prospect, um, but has bounced around a lot. And um, you know he he's hit for he hits for a lot of power. Um, you know, the hit tool's a big question mark, but he's actually improved enough to where a lot of people think he can stick at catcher now. So uh, if he can ever figure out, you know, enough contact, he could be like an everyday type player. Um, and then they got Jorge Soler for Casey Kalick. Uh, Soler is a guy who, you know, two years ago hit 49 home runs. But, uh, you know, he's a guy who also, he, he, he's, he's had some rough stretches at times. Um, started off horrible this year, but it's really got hot as of late. So he's a free agent at the end of the year, but um, interesting move for the Braves. Picked him up. He's actually been pretty good since the, since the trade. Uh, he got moved for Casey Kalick, who's a pitching prospect that is probably a future reliever. Um, don't know if he'll make it to the big leagues or not. And then the biggest trade that they made was uh, Richard Rodriguez, uh, the Pirates' closer, got moved for uh, Bryce Wilson, who, who had been pitching in the big leagues at times, uh, kind of – been one of the guys that's bounced back and forth between the triple a and the big leagues and uh you know a guy who's had some big starts he had a you know he started a game in the playoffs for atlanta last year uh but he's never really found his footing at the big league level um he and he was in it and as, as, along with a, another reliever prospect nicky devito so uh, definitely some interesting moves that braves needed to address their corner outfield and, and their bullpen and they did that with these moves so um you know i think it's going to help them 
yeah, they're they're trying to make a push for that wild card um, spot with the with the Mets struggling and the Phillies not really doing much at the deadline. And you know, I think the Braves kind of smell blood in the water a little bit. Um, and even without Acuna, they're they're trying to go for it. Although I don't know quite how much that's going to help um, them because they don't have Acuna, but uh, or Ozuna right now. Uh, maybe they get him back. But like you said, a couple interesting moves. Bryce Wilson, I think he's going to the Pirates. He'll have a, an opportunity to you know maybe work out as a starter again. He's really struggled like so far um, in the majors, but. Maybe he gets that opportunity and shines a little bit. It, like you said, a couple solid moves for the for the Braves, and like I said, they I think they just kind of smell blood in the water and, and kind of make some moves. And there aren't any major moves, but they're solid moves that are didn't really cost much. Yeah, and you got to remember too one of the one of the things that I kind of stressed with some of these teams that were kind of on the borderline of buying and selling. Um, the Yankees were another one that that has, hasn't had a great year. They're not a lock to make the postseason. Is get guys with control so that way next year you can you know they're really going to help you it's not just for the outside chance that you make the playoffs this year and you know the Braves ended up getting Richard Rodriguez is going to be a, a key piece of the bullpen for the next as, as long as things go to plan for the next two years after this year he's he's under control and, and that same goes for the Yankees moving for uh Joey Gallo is another guy who's under control for a while so that a couple of pretty big moves there but the control part of it helps a lot too um for those those moves so uh in fact that i was looking it up a minute ago the braves are two and a half games out of the of the division now after the mets lost the end of night so um it's uh you know that that division starting to get really tight again um so interesting stuff there um but another trade that we had um in fact it's a trade that you know i think a lot of people kind of thought you know it w- would be made joaquin soria got moved um for a couple of player to be named later, he's going to Toronto, I believe, right? Yeah. I didn't even write it down. I, I, and it's for players to be named later, but everyone kind of expected him to get moved. He's got. I think I feel like he gets moved a lot at the deadline, but it's because um, he's just a, he's a veteran bullpen pretty, arm. Yeah, he's a pretty good middle reliever, so he yeah. gets moved a lot. But uh, good stuff there. Um, you know, he's a, he'll that'll help the that'll help the bullpen in Toronto. Of course, you know we saw the trade earlier with Brad Hand and. Um, you know, they needed to get a couple guys to help that pin out. They, they did. So, yeah, well, let's jump over to the next trade we had. And that was the New York Yankees acquiring Andrew Heaney, um, and cash from the angels for right-handed pitcher, Jason or Jansen junk, my bad. And Elvis Paguero. Yeah. So, uh, Andrew Haney, um, is a guy who at times has been really good. Um, but this year it's been a struggle for him. Really, the, the issue he has is the home run ball. Um, you know, this year he is, he's had a career low ground ball percentage. He's only given getting a ground ball 32% of his uh, of contact against him. And uh, 1.84 home runs per nine has been his downfall this year. And that, that's kind of been his thing in the past to, um, you know, get a lot of balls on the ground. And in, in return, a lot of fly balls means a lot of home runs. So, um you know, he's, but he's a guy who gets a lot of strikeouts and doesn't walk a ton of guys. So, you know, maybe if he can figure out keeping the ball down a little bit better, um, you know, maybe he can, maybe he can do some, uh, you know, do some pretty good work. But he's kind of a middle to back end of the rotation type of starter, and you know, he's going to help lengthen that that uh, that rotation in, in New York. So, yeah, and one of the interesting things which I I, I don't want to spend too much time on it but maybe it's it's a good thing for him to get out of the angels um system and kind of everything that has happened there uh as he was 
one of his best friends was Tyler Skaggs, um, which yes. which we know that unfortunately passed away a couple years ago. But I, I think it's a it's a very good deal for him to kind of get a fresh start. I feel like that's kind of weighed a burden on him um, a little bit, kind of being there. Haney's a guy who I've always thought was going to be better than he really is. Um, and I don't really love the fit with him going to New York because he gives up a lot of fly balls. Uh, <laughs> and in and a, and a band box in Yankee Stadium, it's kind of not the best place for him. But who knows? Maybe he'll uh, maybe he'll find something. Um, I believe he's a free agent at the end of the year. Is he not? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I believe he is. Uh, the return's not too great. I mean, Junk is the, the 29th overall prospect in the Angels system, and the Angels don't have a great system. Um, he's a 25-year-old at double A. Seems like he throws a, a good curveball, has really good command, kind of is going to be – he's a starter right now, but I, I, if he prototypes for anything, it's going to be a bullpen arm. Paguero is a little bit more interesting. Um, he was a guy who was going to be – actually, was there the original Joey Gallo trade? Um, before it had to be revised he is a prototypical bullpen arm all the way good fastball good slider good command just he's 24 year old at double a doesn't have much future value per fan graphs as well but 28th overall in the angel system i think i think he's a hard thrower if i'm not mistaken um i don't know I mean, where he's, this he's, a, he's, he's i think he's got a there Fangraph's graded his fastball as a 60, so, I mean, he throws pretty hard, but um, not kind of the lead, but uh, definitely a couple guys, and, and you look at Jansen Junk, and he's got pretty good numbers this year, so uh, interesting stuff for both those guys. Neither one of them are too big of a deal, but, um, you know, they're guys who, you know, you can, they're at least somewhat interesting, and you're really not moving that much, so uh, the next trade we have on our list uh, – Kind of interesting trade as well. Jan Gomes and Josh Harrison, uh, part of the fire cell from the Nationals. Uh, they got moved for catching prospect Drew Milos, uh, right-handed pitcher Seth Schumann, and uh, right-handed pitcher Richard Gauch. Yeah, so Jan Gomes is actually having one of his better seasons um, that he's ever had, um, batting 274 with a, a 325 on base. His batting average in balls and plays a 307. He's a He's one of those guys at catcher who isn't going to bring you much offensive production, although he has been doing you know more solid this year. Um, doesn't walk much, strike doesn't strike out that often. Um, just a solid overall veteran catcher um, going to the Oakland A's there. Josh Harrison is a guy who has been around forever. I mean, since 2011, he's having, I, I think this has been his career best season, actually. A 292 with a 364 on base. Um and he's just a, a good utility guy. He can play pretty much everywhere. Um, I think he plays all the outfield spots, maybe not center so much these days, um, although he has two games there this year. But he plays second, left, third, um, and some of the right field. But Oakland is kind of the move that they do. Utility guys or just veteran, you know, a catcher that can come in and then they'll be pretty solid for him this year. And they didn't give up all that much for him because I believe both of these are rentals. Um, that'll be free agents at the end of the year, but pretty solid pickup for uh, two solid veteran pickups for the Oakland A's. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they're they're solid pickups. Um, you know, and th- and that wasn't for for no cost. Drew Malas is a fairly interesting catcher. He's got good plate discipline numbers in the low minors, uh, and he's graded pretty well as a defender at catcher. He's actually going to be the number thirteen prospect for the Nationals, although their system is pretty weak still, especially at the at, you know in the depth wise. But, uh, you know, 
interesting, interesting guy for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, Young Gomes, you know, I think he can still be a pretty good, at least most days catcher. Uh, you know, he's not going to catch 162 games, but you know, he can catch two out of three probably still at, at a pretty, pretty high level. And then, uh, Josh Harrison, like you said, pretty good, having a great year. Um, was for the Nationals, but a uh, guy who I think is, you know, a, a good utility fit. He'll probably play just about every day, but he might not play at the same position every day. So uh, pretty solid l- little trade there for, for both sides, really. Um, but our next move was a little bit of a bigger move than that one, and that was uh, the Phillies uh, made a move. This was really the only big trade the Phillies made, and they went out and got Kyle Gibson, Ian Kennedy, and Hans Kraus for right-handed pitcher Spencer Howard, Right-handed pitcher Kevin Gowdy and right-handed pitcher Yoss Gessner, I believe is how you say it. Bless you. So. <laughs> yeah, um, Gibson. He was an interesting, interesting uh, player to look at this deadline because he's having uh, his career year for sure. Um, a two eighty-six ERA, a three sixty-eight uh, FIP. So that it, it, the ERA doesn't kind of back up with the with the peripheral say. Um, he's just been a really solid guy. He's kind of been interesting throughout his career. He's had some really bad years and a couple solid years. Um, I, I don't think he kind of fits that well in Philadelphia. Um, I, I just something about it with, with citizens bank ballpark, it's more of a band boxes than most people think it is. Um, it, I mean, he's half ground ball guy, so that, that will help. But, Yeah, that's that's the part. Their defense with that ground ball rate, it's just going to be terrible. You look at at them around the horn, and you know you got Hoskins playing first. He's horrible defensively. Yeah, Uh, you've got Dini Gregorius, who's really not good at shortstop playing, you know, playing there defensively. And then Alec Bohm might be the worst defensive third baseman in baseball. So you got three out of your four infield spots are just totally atrocious on defense. Yeah, and then you look at Ian Kennedy. He I mean, the Philly need Philly needed help in that bullpen big time. Um, if you look at strictly ERA, he's having a good season. But you look at his FIP, and it's it's four twenty nine. That doesn't really back up his three forty one. Although the X FIP kind of backs it up a little bit more with the three eighty seven. Um, but Ian Kennedy, I mean, he only has a twenty seven point eight ground ball rate. So he's a guy who's going to give up a bunch of fly balls. Um, that really doesn't play well in that bullpen or in that park either. Um, overall, it's a solid trade. I mean, two veteran arms that are both going to be, uh, no, actually Gibson has an extra year of control. Yeah. He, he's, um, he's got next year, so. but Kennedy's going to be a free agent this year. Kraus, I hadn't really looked him up much until just a little bit ago, but good fastball, good curveball, um, a solid changeup and his command is really what lacks. It doesn't look like there's a lot of projectability to him. It kind of looks like what he is is what he is right now. Um, I mean, they have him as a starter at the moment, but I mean, maybe that comes in. Uh, Spencer Howard is was a really interesting one to I think to give up on so early, though. Yeah, Spencer Howard's a guy. I've never been a huge believer in Spencer Howard. Um, I just don't, you know, after seeing his him in the you know at the minor league level and at the major league level, I mean, he's just not. I, he I, he just it just seems like he doesn't really have it at the major league level, but. Uh, you know, you look at his, um, you look at a, at a guy who, I mean, he's only thrown what? He threw six six games last year, um, and then this year he's thrown in 11 games. So he's a young guy who really hasn't pitched that much in the big leagues, and a former 
top top prospect um you know so and he's still a top prospect i don't think he's graduated from the list yet so he's, he's the number 56 prospect overall according to fan graphs um and he was you know he was number one for the phillies and he's number one i believe for the rangers too now i think he's rated ahead of josh young so uh he's a guy who who is um you know he, he's pretty he's he's got a chance to be um to be a good pitcher still um but you know you look at him and, and then you you know for this trade i think it's probably fair value uh you're getting a couple of guys who are fairly coveted on the on the market um i'm not a huge believer in kyle gibson um like some people are um and then ian kennedy i think is just kind of a average middle reliever who probably helps that bullpen a pretty good bit but i don't think he's a game changer in that bullpen so uh you know interesting interesting stuff from both of them uh but um you know i don't especially love this trade from from the phillies and um you know, I, and I think it's kind of a no-brainer for the Rangers get what you can for it. So, although Spencer Howard's not especially my favorite prospect, so yeah, but it was a pretty interesting trade at least. Well, let's move on to I think this could probably be the biggest move that was made this deadline. Um, and I, it's going to seem a little biased me saying that, but I mean maybe you can back that I mean, up. It, it is uh, okay, so it's not me being biased here. Um, but that was the Los Angeles Dodgers acquiring Max Scherzer and Trey Turner from the Washington Nationals for catcher Kybert Ruiz, right-handed pitcher Josiah Gray, right-handed pitcher Gerardo Carrillo, and outfielder Donovan Casey. Yeah, so uh, this trade is uh, obviously a blockbuster. You're talking about a guy who, you know, multi-time Cy Young winner um, who has started the All-Star game on several occasions, including this year. Uh, in Max Scherzer, he's one of the best pitchers of our generation. Uh, you know, he, he's up to, I think he's nearing, or has he gotten 3,000 strikeouts? Um, I'm not sure if he's no, hit it or hit 3,000 or not. Uh, I'm looking looking it up real quick. But, yeah, he, he's a guy who, he's obviously, for his career, has been incredible. You know, a future Hall of Famer, no doubt. Um and then uh, he's actually he's, he's 60, 69 strikeouts away from, from 3,000. So he, he's going to get there, but not, not yet. Uh, he's a guy, though, he, he's dealt with some injuries this year. Um, you know, at times he's missed some games. Uh, he, he's still throwing a lot of innings. But um, you look at him as a guy who's not quite as good as he was two, three, four years ago when every year he was penciled in for a, you know, a, a mid-twos ERA or, or better and, uh, you know, close to 300 strikeouts every year. Um, so he's still good, uh, but, you know, this year, you know, a 359 ERA or 359 FIP, although he does have a 276 ERA, which is really good. Uh, he's still a, you know, I don't know if he's still at number one, but he's definitely a number two at this stage. Uh, but the, the, I think the bigger part of it, because of the control that comes with him, is Trey Turner, who has really become one of the best shortstops in the game in the last couple of years. I thought this was a really interesting guy to get for the Dodgers because, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Corey Seager after this year. But uh, Trey Turner, you know, is a, is a speedster on the base paths, but he's kind of turned into a better all-around hitter. Um, you know, he's hit, he hit – you know, 335 last year, although it's kind of inflated with the shortened season. But this year, he's really backed that up to a certain level. He's up, he's hit 322. He's hit a lot for a lot of power this year. Uh, four wins above replacement already on the year. Uh, he's been one of the best shortstops in the game for the last couple of years. And 
Um, you know, he's a guy who obviously you get him for two more years after this year, and then obviously with the Dodgers situation, depending on if they re-sign him or not, he could be there a long time. Uh, the, re- the return though is was huge for these guys. Yeah, the return starts with uh, Kybert Ruiz, who is, or I would say actually, starts with Josiah Gray. The way you look at it, he'll be their number one prospect in their organization right now. Per Fangraphs, he's number twenty overall, um, but he's actually up. He got called up and actually made the start yesterday um, for them. And actually, with I think he went five innings of one run ball. I think he gave up a solo homer at one point uh, to Abdul Herrera. But um, Josiah Gray, he's a guy who came over to the Dodgers in the uh, trade with Yasiel Puig and Matt Kemp and all that to the Reds, and he became the organization pitcher of the year. Um, he had a couple starts with the Dodgers this year. Was okay, but he's a guy who will really attack the zone. Uh, he'll give up home runs because he really wants to attack the zone. Um, solid fastball, solid slider, solid changeup, decent with command. He's going to be more of a, a two to a three guy, most likely. Um, and and if anything, he'll be a back of the rotation type guy. Kybert Ruiz, he's going to come in and be their number two ranked prospect. So, I mean, both of these guys come in as number one and number two in, in this organization, even though you said it, it lacks a little bit of a depth. Um, per fan graphs, he's 41st overall. So you're looking at top or two top 50 prospects that they got. Um, Kybert should get the call up a little bit later this year. Had limited action in the majors. Um, I believe it's like 15 at-bats. He's only hit 200, but he has a, a couple home runs. He's a guy who he's going to be known for his his hit tool a little bit more than his fielding. Not very fast, solid fielding guy. Overall, he'll be a, a pretty good regular catcher. He never will be that superstar guy, but most likely a you know one of the top ten catchers in baseball. Most likely, Korea yeah, uh, or go ahead. Oh, I was going to say I, I, I'd second both of those guys. I mean, I think uh, you know Josiah Gray's gotten a lot of potential, uh, got good stuff. Um, and then you look at Kyber Ruiz, and I think the big question for him is, is the power going to develop some? Because I think that at one time people were thinking the contact would, I mean, the power would start to come, but it still is still has yet to come, uh, you know, too, too much. So, uh, although, you know, he's a guy who's going to hit for a really high average. He doesn't, he doesn't just refuses to strike out. So. Uh, which is a good trait for a catcher to have. He's going to definitely be a useful if it, offensive player and, and play a decent catcher. So Yeah, he and he had showed some of that power this year. He's already had 16 homers at AAA. Um, yeah. So, and like definitely you said, better than he has been. yeah, and he's a he's a guy who will walk out and strike or walk and strike out about the same amount of times. So yeah. uh, Casey's kind of a throw in guy. He's a 25 year old outfielder. Not really much projection going on there. Uh, Carrillo is going to be pretty interesting, kind of profiles more as a, uh, a reliever, good fastball, solid slider, struggles with command, kind of overall. But could, uh, Josiah Gray and Kybert Ruiz are the are the two big main main people oh, here. No doubt. So, and you would expect for a for a, a elite shortstop with two years left on his deal, and and for a you know a, a, an all star pitcher, although he's a rental, you'd expect to get two top top 40 prospects for that including one of the better one of the better catching prospects in the game who is really having a good year this year so uh definitely definitely something that you would expect to see uh, for, for that and i think the return justified the, the trade is a big return so. absolutely 
Well, let's jump over to uh, to our next trade. You kind of hinted on a little bit ago with that Ryan Tapera, but that's the White Sox acquired Craig Kimbrell from the Cubs for second baseman Nick Madrigal and relief pitcher Cody Hewer. Yeah, so uh, this was a, a pretty big time trade. Craig Kimbrell has been really good this year. Um, you know, it's been the best year he's had um, since. Really, honestly, you know, he had a great year in 2017, but this year has honestly been his best year since his Atlanta days. Um, he this is probably he his best been, career year. It, it might be. I mean, he he has been absolutely incredible. Um, I do think that maybe like 2012, um, his peripherals were a little bit better than they are this year, uh, but you know, but not by much. Um, you know. But he, he's a guy who is, you know, back to his old ways. He, he's doing it a little bit differently. He's throwing a few more, uh, you know, a few more breaking balls now than he used to. So that's something that to, to watch a little bit. Uh, he's a guy who used to just be fastball, fastball, fastball. And he still throws a lot of fastballs, but the breaking balls have kind of gone up. Uh, and his, his key to his success has been his improved walk rate. Because his last three years, he had gotten really wild. And it lost a lot of his ability to throw strikes, and that led to a dreadful 2019, and then a very mediocre 2020. But this year, he's just been incredible. And um, you know what's happened is that he, because of being so good this year, has been able to net a really nice return for a guy who is you know getting paid. Even though he does have a team option next year, which I would assume would probably be picked up the way he's pitched this year, uh, he's getting paid pretty highly. He's probably maybe not quite as high as his his value, but you know he's getting paid like an elite reliever. So um, you know there's not too much surplus value there. But he did net back uh, Nick Madrigal, who is really a he's he's a, he's the opposite of Joey Gallo, but maybe not near as Maybe even as, as much polarizing as Joey Gallo, although he's the complete opposite. Yeah, so Madrigal, he'll come in as the team's uh, third-ranked prospect, 36 overall in baseball uh, per fan graphs. But like you said, complete opposite of Joey Gallo, who doesn't make contact with very high power. Madrigal makes all the contact in the world with very little power. Um, has solid speed, solid fielding. He's projecting... Um, He's very much projected to be an everyday second baseman. Just, it's kind of weird this return. I I guess if them trading Madrigal must mean that they want to pick up that option because um, he's a highly sought after prospect. He's out for the year due to a hamstring injury, which kind of hit on hit on that a little bit ago with Cesar Hernandez. But he's a guy who everywhere he's been has really batted over three hundred. Um, kind of run a pretty high Babbitt because he just always puts the ball in play. He's going to steal some bases, and he's going to play really solid defense. He's going to be kind of your kind of leadoff guy, per se. Um, and then Hewer or Hoyer, I don't know how to exactly say it. He's a, he's a reliever that has a really good fastball, really good slider, and a pretty solid changeup that kind of struggles with command a little bit. Yeah, so um, I think you hit it really well there. You know, you look at Madrigal and um, – you know, I, I like Madrigal. I, I think there's a lot more value to what he does than is, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people realize. But the problem is that I don't. I really don't think he fits the Cubs timeline because the Cubs are going out there and getting all these, you know, really young prospects planning for the future. And Madrigal is kind of a, 
you know, next three or four years type player. So I thought that was kind of interesting um, to look at. But, um, we, you know, we'll see what happens here. Uh, you're going to start to see these, this return next year. Um, and uh, the Cubs are going to have an interesting, very interesting and probably exciting middle infield. And, uh, you know, Nick Madrigal and, uh, and Nico Horner, who are a couple kind of throwback style players. So that'll be interesting to look at going forward. Um, the, the next trade we had, uh, probably, um, probably the, the most lopsided trade when it comes to value that we had, I think. Um, yeah, it, it, it was really interesting. And one trade that I don't think we really, if you would have talked to us, uh, last week when we were recording this, we probably didn't see this move coming. Um, and that was Jose Barrios being traded to the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, for infield outfielder Austin Martin and pitcher Simeon Woods Richardson. Yeah, so you look at Barrios, and he's good. Uh, uh, I want to get that out of the way. Barrios is good. Uh, for his career, he's had every single season, except for the last year's short season, a uh, uh, fielding independent pitching under four and an ERA under four. So he, he's been really good. Um, you know, a guy who this year – a 3.31 ERA and 127 innings. Um, you know he's been durable. Uh, he hasn't been injured much. He threw 200 innings 2019, 192 innings 2018, uh, and obviously before that, you know he was, he, you know he's a rookie. Um, so young guy. He's got another year of control after this year. Another one of those guys that uh, you look at kind of like, kind of like the Braves move for Richard Rodriguez, the Yankees move for Joey Gallo. A couple teams that are kind of on the fringe of the playoffs. Um, you know, kind of building for not just the rest of this year, but also for next year. This is another one. But, man, they gave up some guys who were really surprising for them to give up for, for Jose Barrios. They gave up uh, their first-round pick from, I believe, last year. might have been year before last. 2020. Austin, 2020, okay. Yep. And Austin Martin, who is a pretty much, I believe, a consensus top 20 prospect in baseball. Maybe he's, top, he's fallen a little bit this he's year. He's fallen on fan graphs, I see. But yeah. he's, been, he's a guy who, who has been rated extremely highly uh, by, by most services in his, you know, as a young guy in his career. I mean, he's, in, he's been moved up to double A in his first year of full, you know, of pro ball this year. And the power is not quite there. But, I mean, he's got 132 WRC plus and a 15% walk rate. So, um, you know, that's pretty solid. And he also plays a premium position at a decent level. Yeah, that's um, the that that's kind of the reason he's fallen is because they're not quite sure that his defense is going to be able to allow him to stick at shortstop. Yeah, um, that, that's so, kind of why they've, he's fallen a little bit. Yeah, so it, it makes sense. But even if he does end up in, in the outfield and, and he, he, he could probably play a nice center field, apparently, uh, according to a lot of the a lot of the, the people and that who, you know, I've, or a lot of the things I've read and. Um, you know, his bat will work at either place, you know, as long as it continues to progress at the level it has so far. Um, so he, um, you know, he's, he's a definitely a high rated prospect. And then they also got Simeon Woods Richardson, who, uh, I thought it was interesting that he got traded because he's actually not in the U S right now. He's in Tokyo in the Olympics. He's on the Olympic team. So, um, I thought that was a really interesting move, but he's actually a 20 year old, um, man born in 2000. <laughs> born in uh, 2000 but uh he's a guy who in double a his walk rate's a little high this year but that had really hadn't really been a problem for him in his career um he was part of the marcus stroman trade a couple years ago to when he went to toronto but um a guy who 
has good stuff across the board and, you know, a top 50 overall prospect, as as was as is Austin Martin on most services at least. So, um, you know, they got two top 50-ish prospects for, you know, a guy who's probably a number two or number three pitcher. So I think that – and with only one year of control left, although he's not a rental. So I thought that was a very big haul that they got back, although it's not without risk with these two prospects. Yeah, I very much agree with you on Barrios being two and a three. Um, like I said, Martin, I, I think he's fallen a lot in the eyes because of the defensive, um, the lack of a clear defensive position for him. Although being number five overall pick, he's last year he's only played in 55 games. So how much can you really tell about that? Um, Simeon Woods Richardson's a guy who is very, very interesting to me. He's He's been one of my favorite prospects Um since he came into the into the league, he always runs a super low FIP and xFIP compared to what his ERAs really have said. Um, so he he's a guy that I'm very much interested. I think he could be a top of the rotation type arm for Minnesota, um, come in and, and maybe even be a potential ace one day. Um, and he's still extremely young at 20, um, big guy six three two ten. So very interesting that he was traded this is a return that you would think would get traded for an ace with an extra year of control and not a guy like burrios who will be a two and a three um but there was kind of a bidding war for him that that's kind of what happens i mean the padres were in on it um believe the red Sox were even in on it um and then the blue jays ended up winning out on it so that's kind of what you get when you get these uh these bidding wars at the trade deadline sometimes it's better to to take the guy and, and trade him now and like you said they're going to have an extra year of control and probably i would assume try to either lock him up or give him the qualifying offer at the end of next year and then uh you know maybe get a draft yeah. pick back for him or whatever so yeah. no doubt so, let's uh, uh let, let's go ahead and move on to our next one we'll have a couple more trades i know we've already gone long on this but we want to definitely bring you guys these next two ones and that's uh, the mets acquiring javier baez and trevor williams uh, for chicago cubs for outfielder pete crow armstrong yeah so this is a move that I think that the the Mets it makes sense to the point that you've got a you know you've got a, a vacancy at shortstop with Francisco Lindor being out for the rest of or for most of the rest of the year although he's probably going to be back sometime it's you know late in September um, but you've got a you know they got Javier Baez who I think it's real well chronicled I think everyone knows him um, you know 36 percent strikeout rate this year is a career high uh, outside of his 52 game rookie stint back in 2014. Um, he doesn't walk. He's got po- probably the worst approach at the plate in the big leagues. Um, and but he, you know, he hits for power still. 23 home runs this year. Um, he's actually averaged out for this year to be a league average hitter. He's very good defensively, uh, especially at shortstop. But he can also play. Um, you know, he can also play second base at a high level, uh, which he's done in the past. So that was kind of a Thing the Mets were, you know, glad that he was comfortable there because they can always move him over when Lindor comes back. Uh, so uh, definitely an interesting player to get. Um, he's a rental, um, but I – and then Trevor Williams, I think, is already in, tri- in AAA. I think they optioned him, and he's, he's not really that good. So, uh, But this is really a Javier Baez for Pete Crow Armstrong. Yeah, and Pete Crow Armstrong, I believe he was the 19th overall pick um, 2020 a yes. uh, guy who prototypes as, as a really just defensive outfielder with really good speed. Um, 
pretty solid raw power, but that really isn't going to come over to the game as much. Um, and a decent hit tool. I mean, you're trading for him because he's going to be one of those kind of Kevin Pillar or Kevin Kiermeyer type guys in the outfield, I would assume. Maybe not as good defensively as those two. But, I mean, they're a guy who just, he'll probably make enough contact and he's going to play a really good center field for you. Um, and maybe they can develop some of that raw power into some game power eventually. Yeah, I think this is a good prospect to get back. He's a first round pick last year. So, you know, I don't think, I think there's a lot of development to go on there. But, um, you know, the Mets felt good enough about him to, to throw him on into A ball this year as a, as a former, uh, as a high school guy that was picked in last year's draft. So, uh, you know, that's a pretty nice, um, you know, that's a pretty good pretty good look and i think a lot of people like his makeup a lot too but um you know he only played in six games because of an injury that that happened uh but when he played he had a good approach at the plate 22 percent walk rate in his six games so that really doesn't mean that much small sample size but you know at least he he was willing to take walks for a little while <laughs> even though he wasn't there long but uh you know you look at a guy who i mean i think he could end up being a good player high ceiling type guy uh, he's got a great frame, uh, you know, six foot, 184, uh, you know, pretty well built. Uh, as you said, fantastic defensive center fielder, hits from the left side of the plate. Uh, maybe he can improve on that raw power a little, I mean, on that game power a little bit with some swing changes, get the ball lofted a little bit more. Um, and I think this is a guy who, you know, if all things go the way that appears, you know, the hit tool will, will improve and continue to make progress. So, um, I think it's a very good deal for the, for the Cubs because I really am not a huge believer in Baez um, at this point. And I think he's got a skill set that's going to fall in, in his remaining years as he's uh, primarily a defensive player who relies on his athletic ability more than anything else. Um, and, um, you know, so I don't – so, you know, obviously him being a rental, but, you know, helps this too. But – um, you know, two months of a shortstop who's been up and down um, at times. He's been real streaky. Uh, you know, two months of him for, um, you know, for, for, for a guy who was a first-round pick last year and has a really high ceiling. I think it's a good move for the Cubs. Yeah, it's a pretty solid move. And, and like you say, he's a, uh, a rental that probably there has already been some talks that there wasn't much of a uh, – with really any of these Cubs guys, there wasn't much of a dialogue – uh, seriously about being able to resign. They were pretty far off on contract talks. So Javi, and the thing is, is Lindor is one of Javi's best friends. Um, so that yes, will make it a little bit more comfortable um, with him going there. And he had already said that he would only play second base if it was on the Mets with Lindor. So that's the thing. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Mets probably resign him, um, you know, in the off season for, for something, but. That we'll we'll talk about more of that when it when the offseason comes around and stuff. But let's go ahead and jump over to the last trade that we're going to talk about um, today, and that is the San Francisco Giants acquiring Chris Bryant from the Chicago Cubs for Alexander Canario and Caleb Killian. Yes. So this trade, uh, it was interesting. I think a lot of Cubs fans were underwhelmed by the return, but when you look into it, I, I do think the return is is pretty decent. Uh, Chris Bryant's a guy who has battled injuries so much in the last couple of years, and it's been no different this year. So he's a guy that you know teams are going get, to get as a rental. And I think they're a little bit worried to 
rely on him the rest of the year because I think there's a chance when you get a guy like Chris Bryant that he just doesn't play that much with the, with the injuries he's had the last couple of years. But when he does play, he's still really good. Um, you know, this year, a 132 WRC plus says it all. 19 home runs, uh, 266 average, 358 on base, walks a lot. His strikeouts are, you know, they're fairly high, but not, you know, impossibly high. I mean, maybe a little above, a little higher than average on the strikeouts. But, um, you know, he's still a very useful player. I think the biggest thing for Chris Bryant that's been so remarkable is his ability to move around, at, you know, as, as, as this all-star level player and play a lot of different positions. I mean, um, he's a guy who for his career is most well, well known, most well known as a third baseman, but he's also played a lot of, uh, you know, he's played a lot of outfield too, left field a ton. He's played right field a lot. Um, he's even played center a little bit. Um, and you can always throw him over at first base too. So he's a guy who can really play four positions and in a pinch you could probably throw him into center and he'd be okay so um i think he's a very interesting player for for the uh for the giants to get um and i and i think it's a, it's a perfect fit because the giants are a team that has a lot of veterans and a lot of guys that you want to get rest so if you got a guy that with the utility that chris bryant has you know on that day that you know you can you can move him around some when chris when when brandon belt needs a day off at first you can throw chris bryant over at first keep him in the lineup and uh you know you've got you know veterans elsewhere that can handle where chris bryant typically would play or you know when you get a guy like uh you know at, at evan longoria i don't know how long how much longer he's out or if he's still out but he's still uh, out yeah so you got a guy like evan longoria if he comes back you've, you've got him at third and chris bryant can slide in and play third when you need him to or outfield or he can do a little bit of everything so um, you know, I think this is a very good trade for the for the Giants. Um, I like you know I like them getting Chris Bryant making that move. They didn't really give up a super high level prospect for him. Um, you know, they gave up a couple interesting guys for sure, but it's you know it's two months of a um, you know of a guy who you don't know if you can rely on for the rest of the you know for the rest of the year because of injury potential. But um, you know, it's also a guy that you could could very well carry a team through the rest of the year. So. Yeah, Killian. Um, the return that they got with him is—he's a twenty-five overall in the uh, in the Cubs system. He's a guy who's really known for command. Um, really doesn't pop anything off with a fastball, slider, curveball, changeup type mix. Um, he's just going to be kind of—I've seen a lot of comparisons. I know it's going to be kind of unfair, but to a, a Kyle Hendricks kind of yeah. kind of guy, which it's kind of unfair to compare anybody to Kyle Hendricks, but. That's that's sort of what you're looking at, you know, style pitcher wise is the guy who can just place the ball wherever he wants, really. Um, Canario or Canario or however you say it, he's a guy who is really big power, um, 60 game power, 60 raw power projected by fan graphs. Seems solid fielding, solid speed, pretty young still, 21, um, but he is at high A, so he'll have to start progressing pretty soon. But it seems like the Cubs, uh, you know, they did a good job overall on their haul for the uh, for this deadline. You could say the Bryant trade was maybe a little underwhelming. I mean, I know a lot of people were expecting like a Joey Bart, but I didn't think that was ever really a uh, yeah. you know a realistic idea. They did pretty solid. They have a, a deep system now, um, and they seem to target guys you know like Canario who has really big power that they can try to develop. Um, yeah, the, so. the, the, I think the Cubs have done a fantastic job of getting a lot of raw guys who have high potential. Yeah, now, it's not without risk, 
But we've seen a lot of teams that have feasted off of that the last few years. Teams like like the Braves went out, got a lot of guys with a lot of risk, but a lot of potential. Look at the Padres. I mean, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. was a was one of these guys. And I'm not sitting here saying that one of these Cubs players was going to turn into a Fernando Tatis Jr. But you know, a lot of times these teams will go with that safe back end of the top 100 type guy with a pretty high floor but low ceiling who's a pretty safe bet to be some kind of big leaguer and you know a lot of times that ends up turning into a lot of you know fairly average players uh who who do make it to the big leagues but you know some of these guys they have will never make the big leagues but also you know they might get two or three of them that turn into stars in the big leagues so um interesting stuff um I like what I like what they did, and as you said, this Killian guy I, I think is really interesting because um, you know we've seen several times the last few years some of these guys with the really really high graded command. Um, you think about uh, Kyle Hendricks as a comp, but how about like a guy like Shane Bieber? He was a guy who came yeah. out with like seventy grade command, and people were not super sold on the stuff, and he just kind of kept progressing. His stuff got a little bit kept getting a little bit better and a little bit better to the point to where you combine it with the command that he has and he turned he's turned into an ace level pitcher so um it's one of those things where you never know what might happen but the crazy stat about this guy is that in the minor leagues he has thrown in his you know over he's thrown over 100 innings in his in his minor league career i believe uh maybe maybe right at 100 innings um and he had in fact i think he's thrown exactly 100 innings but uh, he's only had 10 walks, 11 walks, excuse me. He's thrown 11 walks in, in about 100 innings in his, in his minor league career. So that's, uh, you know, that's a pretty impressive statistic. And you look at his – he's also strikes out a lot of guys so far. Of course, he's in the low minors until this year in double A. But, um, you know, he's, he's, had, he's got excellent numbers. So we'll see how the stuff plays at the big league level. But um, I think this is a pretty interesting-looking move. Uh for the Cubs, and then another guy, um, you know, Killian. I mean, Canario. Uh, uh, I mean, I like him too, but you know, he's kind of he's another one of those risky, high strikeout. Is he going to figure out how to hit guys that you just never know? So, um, definitely interesting stuff. A lot of teams made out well um, in this trade deadline. One thing that we did want to mention real quick is the one guy that didn't get traded, and that was Trevor Story. I think a lot of people were shocked that he didn't get traded. Yeah. Um, I think that the maybe the return for him, as, since he's, he hadn't had a great year this year, I think that the Rockies were kind of thinking the returns for him that were being offered were not were really comparable to the potential uh, draft pick, compensation draft pick they'll get. So um, I think that's why they didn't trade him. Uh, so you know that's interesting. Um, you know it'll remain to be seen what they do with that comp pick they get or. Or potentially what they do with that that bonus pool money they get from having a comp pick, they could you know always sign an under slot guy in that pick and you know have more money to spend on their first rounder. But um, I thought that was very interesting to look at. Um, and John Gray didn't get traded either. A lot of people were talking about him too. So the Rockies really didn't make too many moves here, which was pretty interesting. But um, you know, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a team that's caught a lot of criticism for stuff like that. So yeah, I mean even Story came out and said that he wasn't happy yeah. with a, with not having a trade. Um, and the Rockies have just seemed to have really poor management the past couple of years with handling these trade deadlines and, and their stars, anyways. So, yeah, and, and it stinks for it stinks for Story too because you know this is a guy that obviously he's playing for nothing this year really when it comes to winning, and he would like to go to a contender, but at the same time also, 
you know, that call, that's going to cost him money because he's going to now have that draft pick attached to him. Yep. And, Absolutely. Uh, whereas if he had gotten traded, then you can't offer him a qualifying offer, and he would not have a draft pick attached to him. He could probably get more money on the open market. So uh, that was one of those things that was pretty, you know, I, I thought was pretty interesting that, you know, it, it sucks for Trevor Story. Cause he obviously didn't want to be there, and the fact that they don't, He's now going to have that lose that money. I think he's probably pretty frustrated with that situation. I would be interested. I know he wouldn't want to really do this, but what if he takes that qualifying offer and plays one more year, forces Colorado to pretty much trade him because they're not going to get anything else for him at that point, and then they don't get a draft pick anyways. Yeah. I mean, and and $18 million, I mean, in the the crowded shortstop market this year, it might be something where, hey, I don't want to go out into the crowded shortstop market being qualified, and then I can go in next year with no draft pick attached to me. Could be something yeah, you could I, do. That's a very interesting thought, and uh, you never know what might happen with it, too, because it, it, that's, that's entirely possible, I believe. Um, it's just the thing that you, 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 he's a guy that I don't know you know, I don't know too much about what, what, what his market's going to look like because he's played in cores his whole career. Yeah. He is a guy who has struggled a little bit this year, but, um, and he's going to have that pick attached to him. So it, it could very well be a, a case where he's kind of the guy who doesn't get him and probably Baez are the two that don't get what they were hoping for on the, on the free agent market. Um, you know, compared to like a, you know, Carlos Correa or, uh, Corey Seager or someone along those lines. Obviously, Lindor no longer a free agent because he's signing that big deal with the with the Mets. But um, I think if you look at um, you know, I, I think that I think that's a very interesting thought that he could potentially take that qualifying offer. Uh, but you never know. He also might want to go ahead and move on. Team might offer him a lot of long term uh, financial security, which which obviously is a big deal too. So. Um, you know, uh, he, he, you might get that 18 million next year with the potential to earn more per year, but also someone dangles 150 million dollars in front of your face. Yeah. You know, you could always, you could also get hurt in that 18 million dollar a year deal and for one year deal and never play again. You could be costing yourself 100 million dollars by, you know, not taking the big, big long term deal. So, um, it just, it just depends, I think. But, um, you know, that's an interesting thought, and I think you could probably look at the same thing with. You know, maybe oh, Baez won't have that qualifying nope, offer, but not anymore. you could be looking at the same type of thing where he might sign a one-year deal type thing. So could be. Well, we uh, we went on for extremely long on this episode, yep. but it was very much warranted. Um, with I, I think this was the most insane trade deadline I've ever seen, um, and I mean, people have talked about this being the best trade deadline of all time, even. Um, so very very interesting. There, like I said, we hit on. 30 trades and there were 62 more that or 32 more trades that happened that we didn't even hit on. Um, so it, it was very interesting. I think a lot of big moves, these contenders really stepped up and I think separated themselves. There's a couple teams on the fringe that, you know, got those controllable pieces. Um, but we're kind of on the home stretch now. There's, there's no other trades really can happen. Um, there's no waiver deadline anymore in August. So this is a uh, teams are pretty much what they are, and we're going to start really seeing who's going to separate themselves in, in wild card battles and, and everything. This was the last little step before the run to the playoffs. 
Yeah, no doubt. And you look at some of the playoff runs, and the the NL East is still really close between the top three teams. It's even tightened up more in the last few days. There's three teams within three games right now. You look at the AL East, and you've got the the two teams really close together at the top, but the Yankees, with all the moves that they made, are, are potentially third team to get involved there. Um, you know, you look at um, you look at the, the AL wild card race, and uh, you've got a couple teams that are right there. Um, you know, the A's, even the Mariners are, are not far out of there. Um, and then you look at the, the NL West race, although all three teams will most likely make the postseason. Uh, it's going to be real interesting to see who, who comes out with the win in that division and who has to play that wild card game because, um, you know, all three teams are close there too. So um, I think, um, you know, we're going to have a great stretch run this year. Um, you know, last year wasn't the – especially with it being such a short season, I don't think was the best pennant race because I think a lot of them were locked up pretty early. Well, and the expanded um, playoffs even. And Yeah, and even with the expanded playoffs, I mean – Maybe it may it might have also been a little bit of the fact that the last game really or the last team to get in really didn't matter that much because you knew like the you knew the Dodgers were going to beat the Brewers or the Cardinals or whoever they were to play and I mean I thought most people kind of expected the Braves although the some people picked the Reds I think most people expected the Braves to win and then in the, on the other side you know um, I think a lot of people expected the um, well yeah, on the other side you had the the teams that got in ended up winning like the Astros. So, uh, you know, coming from nowhere to, to, to really contend. So um, I thought it was very, very interesting last year, but, but this year I think is going to be better. And I think it's going to be a wild run to the finish. Um, so keep, we'll keep an eye on it. And uh, maybe next week we could talk a little bit about what we expect from the next month or two coming into the final, uh, coming into that final stretch. Yeah, maybe we look back and, and maybe give some winners and losers of this uh, this trade deadline since we've went so long on this episode. We wanted to kind of get that at the end, but we uh, kind of went on talking, but I, I think very much warranted about some of these trades. So, Oh, yeah, no doubt. We'll, uh, we'll bounce back next week, try and get you some of those winners and losers, and uh, kind of maybe look forward to that, uh, that stretch run and, and see what we expect. So thank you guys for tuning in this episode of the Batflip Podcast, and we'll uh, catch you guys next week. Thanks, everybody.